Hey, I want to throw something out here because I did a little test last week oh. on our podcast. Oh. And I said when we started how much I love our intro music, which is ACDC, Back in Black. And we've always had that on our, our ringtones and all that. That's our fan. Yeah, but I actually song. didn't have Caleb put the intro music on, Caleb Paul's, the beginning and the end. And no one... We've had about uh, a little over a couple hundred listens so far. No one said anything mm. about no music. And so what was your test? So my test is, are you really paying attention? Because this is good stuff. Or is there a global pandemic and you're trying to survive and nobody's really <laughs> cares about anything like Well, there's that. a lot of time to listen to podcasts. So <laughs> okay. come on, okay. catch stuff. Right. I like it. Hey, welcome, guys. We are excited. We're continuing on our fatherless wrapping it up. podcast, wrapping it up today. Today is our last. Well, I mean, we're going to talk about fatherhood the rest of our life. Yes. But this, this kind of focus, we're going to move into motherhood and parenting after this. Whoa. Okay. And so last week we talked about the Malachi mandate. You talked about it because you, that's your life message. It is my life story. message. Yeah. Malachi 4, 5, and 6. It. So you, you, have a try, you have a hard time with Malachi. I have a hard time with a lot of things these days. The, 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 God says the last scripture of the Old Testament. Again, it's not the last book. It's not in chronicle order, but as we read it, it is. And uh, that he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children or the parents and the children starts back to the parents. Lest he strike the world with a curse. Uh, this pandemic has felt like a curse. It's not. Um, it was so fun in the beginning. I mean, and the prophet Elijah is going to come. And I believe, guys, this is the time for the prophets to arise. Mm. I really do. It's time for some voices to come to the surface. I believe we're in the best time uh, ever on the planet. I can't believe that we, all of us, get to live as, for such a time as this. Honor. It is an honor. God's ripping the bandages off of culture and and race and everything. And this president stuff is crazy. And so anyway, we're having a blast. So let's dive in, babe. I want you to end because you got to, I think, 13. We got to 13 and number 13, because we were talking about the principles of fatherhood and what, what fathers do and the difference really between men and boys. Yes. And so um, we've created a culture for boys to stay stuck in boyhood. And then we blame them for not knowing how to act like a man. That's right. When we don't, they don't have examples. Nobody's really showing them. And so we're frustrated and we criticize them. We put them down instead of coming around them and, and creating some fatherhood. Arm around and creating some fatherhood them. in yeah. the relationship. I was talking to my dad, my 81 year old father about this yesterday. This is why, by the way, we've moved back to the Springs is to be with him, help him end well. And then our three special needs nephew and nieces that we're going to be in charge of and kind of are now. Lisa's making them dinner every night. She's amazing. Um, and my dad and I were talking about first and second half of life, and he'd never really pressed into that. Oh, stuff. interesting. And that, you know, boys uh, in your 20s and early 30s, maybe, you need to create and, and do things and explore and, and build. build containers that you get to kick over as you get older. We've talked about this a lot, but it's just a good review. Um, we build that container of education. We get to the top of education and it really doesn't fulfill. And we build that container of the climbing the corporate ladder and we get to that top and it doesn't fulfill. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is most men in America, because we've had no initiation rights. Uh, Seth Barnes started my day at 5 a.m. this morning with an email about initiation, which was powerful and awesome. Um, we've never initiated the next generation. So many boys just stay stuck as boys. 
And then they marry their mothers because they just want to be taken care of. Right. They want their laundry done and their food cooked. And then young ladies are self-initiated through menstrual cycle and pregnancy and that kind of thing. But a lot of them marry people that are like their dads uh, because they want to be taken care of. And it, and, and it creates a really hard atmosphere. And then we're just reproducing what we've been doing this last 50, 100 years yeah. uh, on the planet. And so God's shaking that up. And he wants to raise up men, strong men that are going to stay and stick around. And he wants to raise up strong women who are independent and have their own platform, but are going to encourage and, and empower and the men around them and partner, and with, partner them. with them. Absolutely. I want to talk for a second about, um, because I think this is a place where it's so highlighted when grown like men, they, they have male bodies, they've gone through puberty, they have facial hair, they look like men. Mike, Mike. Yeah, you definitely, you're, you're a man though, babe, in every way. Okay. But um, you've been watching The Last Dance. The Last Dance, is this Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls documentary about their six championships. And I'm not that interested in basketball. If it was football or something like that, I'd probably be more interested. But i just walking back and forth and seeing like little pieces while I'm doing the laundry or whatever. And I think are that is the best example we have in the United States of America of when we take little boys uh-huh. out of not always mostly fatherless homes right and we offer them women cars tons of money tell them they're god tell them they're all these different things and then we're disappointed when they sleep with prostitutes when they use women when they cheat on their wives and they gamble and they they do all the things the little boys do. Yep. And I'm I'm curious as to why we think as a culture that why we expect them to act any differently. Well, it's it's great. I mean, uh, Richard Rohr really dives into this in Adam's Return. By the way, get that book if you've not read it and you are a young man or an old man or a woman and you want to know how to marry That's man. That's true. Adam's Return, The Five Promises of Male Initiation. He talks about, you know, we, we take these young teenage, early 20 you're all inner city kids and we give them millions of dollars and no fathering. Yeah. And we expect them to become these perfect model citizens and, and, and be heroes and role models and heroes and role models. I yeah. to Michael Jordan. <clears throat> like, I don't know why they want me to be a role model. I'm an athlete. Yeah. Like I wish I hadn't put that pressure on myself is what he said. And, and it's way more than just about basketball. It's right. one of the best documentaries I've ever watched, but Michael Jordan was a jerk. I mean, he was a complete <laughs> asshole. He just was. Why are you keep using that? I'm word? sorry. He was just mean, and he was mean to his teammates. He was mean to coaches. He was mean oh, to he the has front such office. A sweet face. That's hard um, for me to believe. But it worked. It was his way of motivating the people around him. And anytime anybody said something a little off color to him, uh, that was what that was what would motivate his fatherless heart. Oh, okay. And when his dad, his dad was actually a good dad in his life. When his dad was murdered and and died. There's one scene where they win a championship, the first championship they win that when his dad wasn't there and, when, and it was gone. And he's just laying on the ground, rolling and bawling like a three-year-old little child. And the cameras are catching this. I'm not sure why they let them keep that in. Um, but he was fatherless. He really never Even became. Even though he had a father. Yeah. And you can tell he's still, Lonnie Dyer and I talked a lot about this yesterday. He still, he's, he's, he's just doesn't seem happy. In the documentary, mm. he just doesn't seem, you know, he's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. He's gambled more money away than any of us will ever make in a lifetime. Um, and he's just not a happy person. Yeah. And so that's what we're talking about is we as a culture, as America, as the planet, mm. we have got to 
call out the fathers and teach them how to father and call out the young men and teach them how to become men, not to stay stuck as little boys. In your early 30s, guys, you're supposed to transform into the second half of life where you don't need to be successful. All success does is feed your ego. You just want to make everyone else around you successful and then success will follow you. Mm -hmm. But it's about serving other people. It is about serving other people. And in your wife and your marriages. I I was saying this in a counseling session the other day, a coaching session. I said, look, when when scripture says that a man lords over his wife or leads his wife over his wife, all that means is he gets to be the first one to forgive. He gets to be the first one to humble himself. He gets to be the first one to say he's sorry, even though he's right. Even though that he maybe he wasn't wrong in the relationship, that's how we lead our wives. And when we do that, now thank God you <laughs> you'll actually repent and say you're sorry. I haven't been wrong enough in my life. <laughs> Are you to, stuck, baby? No, I said Hold I was on. sorry no, first thing awesome. this morning. You're awesome. Okay, so that that goes to the next point is that we have created more players than leaders okay. in our males, um, and they're true. not equipped for manhood. And so this is you know. When I teach on on the beauty of males, because they are amazing beings and I love them and I think that we need to support them a lot more. But I always do the breakdown for women of the difference between a little girl and a woman. And usually eyes are like this because we all see ourselves in it. We're like, oh, I do that. Oh, I do that. And so I was asked, like, what is the difference between a little boy or a boy? Because there's nothing wrong with being a boy. In order to become a man, you have to go through that process. Absolutely. But what's the difference between a boy and a man? Because we can't break it down to facial hair and muscles and going through puberty. No. Because we all know, like we always say, we all know 80-year-old boys. We have a family member that's almost 100 who has a lot of boy-like qualities that are not charming. He has never transformed. No, he has never. And so the difference between a boy and a man is a boy chases after momentary pleasure Mm. and a man looks for long-term fulfillment. Wow. That's kind of like what we say. Andrew taught us in our marriage. We don't need fantasies. No, we need memories. We've got, so we make good memories. We make memories. We don't need to invite porn into our room or something else to try to create uh, these momentary pleasures together. And we create memories. Yeah. If you need more than two human bodies, a closed door and a bottle of wine and a fan on you you're making this way too complicated so so boys chase momentary pleasures and men Men look for true true lasting fulfillment okay okay so give me an example i was i gave an example to my men and they were like wait a minute wait a minute i'm not married i said you know pornography is a great example of I think one of the greatest plagues that has hit this this generation, yeah. um, men and women, it affects everybody involved. But that is a very momentary pleasure thing. But it gets to the point where if you don't, if they, if men specifically don't rein that in, they are no longer able to enjoy long term pleasure with the actual real. Right. Living, breathing we, woman. We, we coach a lot of young couples that don't have sex and invite their kids into the room for an excuse to not have sex. Yeah. And so, and it's because pornography will kill your sex drive. Mm -hmm. That's what it does. Yeah. Because it's a momentary and God didn't design us that way. He designed us for true intimacy. Yes. So the reason my guys at the time, they were all single and they were like, wait a minute, you can't say that because I'm not married. And I was like, I'm giving you an example of a fake thing that the enemy has presented to you to lure you in, to steal from the real thing, which is true intimacy with your spouse. Mm. So when you're single and you're looking at porn, what do you, what do you do with that? I would think, do you want to share your life with a real 
woman one day, mm. not a woman that's on a screen that is a probably bunch of little being, pixels. Well, that's probably being abused and probably been trafficked. No woman that I know would sign up and go, Hey, I want to do that with my life. Right. Right. So, I mean, think of the bigger picture, but what that's where you have to start thinking of like, what do I want long-term for my life? And is this bring going to bring me that? Yes. And pornography is not going to help you in true intimate relationships with anybody. It's going right. to steal your intimacy. It's, it's going to bring shame on your life. It's good. It's going to bring everything you don't want. Good. So a man wakes up one day and says, you know what, what am I going to do today? That's going to bring me lasting fulfillment instead of momentary. pleasure." Right. It's always about life and death. Mm -hmm. How am I going to create life into my courtship and into my new marriage someday? Or am I going to bring death by being addicted to pornography mm. and, and expecting or needing something that a woman can't even provide um, outside of that? Yeah. So, so yeah, that's really good. That's Do fabulous. you have any other examples of Well, I mean, I, th I think they're, uh, the, porn's probably the best example we can use because it's such yeah. a huge epidemic right now. Well, okay, here's like frat boys. You know, their their idea of a frat boy is I'm going to get as drunk as I can as fast as I can. Right. A man is going to be like, this is really expensive bourbon. Yeah. And I would like to enjoy it with my wife or my friends around a fire and a really good cigar. Or scotch, mostly. And a Lafroy 16. You know, there's been a couple shows we've watched where they're like chugging. We're like, you don't shoot bourbon. Right. You well, sip. if it's like a cheap bourbon. That's my point. Yeah. Law. I mean, that's just to me, that's an example of like, what is the goal here? The goal is to actually enjoy it and taste the flavors and have the the community. This is a great aspect. time for my joke. Oh, God. Is it a dad joke? He, well, it's a it's a it's is a, it a, it's a joke? male joke okay. and son joke. So you've got a big bull elk and a small elk on top of a hill and all the herds down below them. Hundreds of female cows, elks are down below. And the young bull says, man, dad, we should run down there and have sex with one of those. And the dad looks at him. He says, son, why don't we walk down and have sex with them all? Oh, God. <laughs> See, that is the difference between a boy and a man. <laughs> right? He's going to mosey down there <laughs> gonna walk. and seduce all the, what's the female cows. elk, a cow? Yeah. Well, what a good day to be a cow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe not the greatest example, but it's a good joke. So I thought my bourbon example was much better. Yeah, I think so okay, too. All right. Especially for our tribe. Okay, so this is, I can't prove this, but I do believe I've seen this, is that men fear failure almost more than anything. And that if a, a boy is convinced in his own mind that he's going to fail, he would, might just opt out to even not even try. Yeah, I mean, we've had a lot of young men say, you've had them say to you specifically, you know, I didn't my parents' marriage didn't work. Right. I'm not even thinking about it. Yeah. Right. And even our own 17 year old son saying, I don't want to have kids. It's too, kids too expensive. Like, yeah, hello. Welcome to our sex. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to disagree a little bit. Okay. I think that what I'm watching with these young men in this generation is that they're more afraid of success than they are. Afraid. I don't know what that means. That that means that if they actually were successful, it's going to be too much responsibility. They oh, just can't do it. Okay, okay. So they stay away from it. It's easier to play video games and act like you're accomplishing something like yes. killing people and winning a war than to actually go out and do it. Right. Exactly. Because you're afraid, oh my gosh, I might go do this and I might be good at it. Yeah. And then what am I going to do? Because now I'm responsible. Well, and is there anything in there? Um, I heard an older man say one time, I, I, I don't, I've don't want to peak at 30 because then I have to maintain that the rest of my life. Right. 
Is yeah. that real? Yep, it's a fear. That is a definite fear. Mm. And so I think it is both failure and I do think it's success. And again, we try to teach all the young people we're with, you're going to fail. In fact, that's the only time you learn something. If you're always just being successful, you don't really learn that much. But when you're failing, you learn from those failures and you do it different the next time. And you're going to fail over and over again. So I, true. Yeah. Your marriage is going to be hard and uh, your life is going to be hard. And that, that, that corporate ladder you're climbing or that ministry ladder you're climbing or that missionary life you want to live, all of those things are going to be extremely difficult. And a lot of bad things are going to come from those and a lot of beauty and grace and success. And, you know, I was just listening to my daily Bible today and one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, you know, do you know what it is? I thought you were. I'm in Ecclesiastes right now. Oh, um, uh, money is the answer to everything and wine. Well, Ecclesiastes 10, 19 says a feast is made for laughter. Yeah. So that we party together. We have big feasts. Wine makes the heart merry. And money and is the, money answer, is the to answer to everything. And it's true. I mean, Solomon was losing his mind a little bit while he was writing this. But that is true. And in the midst of that, you find a lot of fun and you find a lot of really hard times. Yeah. you're The thing you have said to me for the last almost 21 years now that drives me crazy, but you're right, is it's horrible and wonderful. It is. Always. How's today going to be? It's going to be horrible and wonderful. What do you think is going to happen next year? It's going to be horrible and wonderful. And I hate it, but you're always right. Yeah, it is. That's the definition of our life. It's always amazing and beautiful and it's always really hard and it sucks. The beauty of getting older, though, is you overcome enough bad days where when they come, like this you hold them right, yeah, the, yeah. Like this morning, I got some bad news that would have taken me out a mm-hmm. couple of years ago, and I went and walked and ran and prayed and asked the Lord, and I was like, "I forgive. I'm not going to become bitter. I'm not going to become." And I just let it go. Yeah, where I think I would have stayed stuck there for a long time and just kind of circled yep. the drain for a while. That's what I mean by when you when you transform into that second half of life, especially as a as a man, you hold news the same, bad yeah. news and good news, exactly the same. You just say, "All right, Father, what are what are we doing?" Yeah, right. And and uh, again, it's really great news, God. Am I supposed to do this, or is it really bad news, God? What are we going to do about this? Mm-hmm. And we keep walking and we keep moving. Okay, that's good. Okay, so one of the characteristics of fatherless men. Okay. <clears throat> is that they relate to women as mothers and sisters, mm, right. not as wives and lovers, Ooh. because they've not had any example of what a husband looks like and what a husband does and how a husband acts. And- yeah, and that's a great example. It was interesting in that uh, last dance, that documentary we were talking about. They, I think the agreement they made with the Bulls is to leave the women out of it because they don't show any women. But they talk a lot about the prostitutes that are in the hotel room and the, the drugs and all the stuff that were in the hotel rooms all the time. And, wow. and, uh, and they're all addicted to gambling, every one of them. I just read that Charles Barkley lost $30 million in gambling. What's the so thing far. with gambling? Is that, that you're, you feel like you're winning? Yeah, or? it's a competition. Oh, it's, you're okay. always like you watch that documentary, you see Michael always has to be doing some kind of competition. $100,000 on one golf swing see if it's the closest to the hole or the in before the football or basketball games before the championships, he'd be in playing um, nickels against the wall with his security guards. And he'd say three times, you, you get three times the 20 bucks and they're just passing out hundred dollar bills. Like Do you crazy. remember when this was happening in our home with your sons yes. and you, and finally they kept, nobody was paying their debts, including <laughs> you. And everybody was yelling all the time. Yep. And then I said, there's no more, there's no more betting in this house at all. Yep. And then they, the boy started telling me it was a gentleman's bet. I said, I don't care what you call it. <laughs> you guys are, I'm tired. It's just of the drive. It's it. the drive of competition. Do you remember the one time you yeah. took me gambling? 
into Cripple Creek. <laughs> I was like, give me a $5 bill. <laughs> I lost She it. went five bucks and it was five gone. Five bucks. And I was like, well, everything here is sticky and smells like cigarette smoke. So we were I don't understand. Yeah. I just spent $5. I didn't get anything in return. I'm done. So yeah. that's my gambling story. Yeah. And then honestly, if you want to stay as stuck as a boy, you will never get over that competitive. Mm-hmm. We see it uh, at G42. It's awesome. We have an outdoor basketball court in the village in Spain. Oh, all the real personalities and, come out. And they come out, man. And I mean, those first three months of these young bucks coming in and we get out there and I, you know, I can't even move anymore. Hardly. My game is completely gone, but I just get in body and I just check people and I just, you know, do a hip in and you'll see that little boy come out in about every mm-hmm. single one of them. And then that second, they go on their practicum and they come back and, and I watch them helping people up. I watch them, you know, speaking life over each other, throwing, you know, passing the ball more because that is a great place mm-hmm. to learn. Where the why is this coming out of me? Yeah, and then I of course pointed out and let him know. Well, that sounds like a little boy. You yeah. want the little boy come out. Nick was great. We had this great intern, little Nick, and he <laughs> was chucking little baby. Spanish kids on the basketball court when he first got there. He was so, so competitive. competitive. <laughs> oh, and it broke. It he broke from that, and he he really became humble on the court. That it was awesome. So character yeah. comes out. It does. Okay, okay. Men, um, real men, grown men, not little boys, conquer their fears. Yeah. They don't try to control or lower over the, the vulnerable. Oof, that's so really good. I don't think a man could beat a woman or rape a woman or rape a child if they are not full of pain and rage and hate and unforgiveness. Well, and let me say this. I don't know any man that isn't full of those things. Hmm. I have never I have met a man that is, okay. I mean, I've met gentle, softer, older men. Right. Like my dad's become a gentle man. Right. Um, but in their thirties, forties, most men are really angry. Most men are kind of sad that they were even born. And, and that's why the, the one of the top suicide rates in America is 50 year old white men. Mm. Cause they get to the top of those ladders and they're, they're still empty. And so it's, <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a really good point. Okay. So I could be wrong here. Okay. I'm okay with being wrong, but as a woman and as a mother, I, I can, I cannot remember not having a maternal instinct, which to me means just that I was always looking to protect vulnerable people. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter if I was a little kid myself, all of a sudden I would get real big and real tall. If anybody was picking on somebody littler and my maternal instinct, I cannot shut off vulnerable people and act like I don't see it or I don't mm-hmm. care. I couldn't take advantage of it. Everything in me cries out to serve it and protect it. So a man is created to serve and protect, kind of like the police, to serve and protect. How does that switch? What, what to me, that's like so opposite of what you're created to do. Where does that come in when you are created to protect vulnerability and you take advantage of it because you have bigger muscles, you have more size, you are, I mean, I, have to, I tell everybody, by the time our boys were 12, they could physically they would just mess around with me and we were just wrestling. But I was like, oh my God, they could do anything they wanted to me. They yeah. could hold me down, spit on me or do whatever. They, and sometimes they would because we had a lot of fun at our house. But it's true. Women yeah. and children are more physically vulnerable in that way. So is that like a complete distortion of what God created him to do? Is there so much pain there that they're lashing? Because I don't think rape has anything to do with sex. I think it has everything to do with control, hate power, and control. hate. Yeah. It, it, again, it's what do you do with your pain? 
do you allow it to transform you or do you allow it to, or do you transmit it on everyone around you? When you are fatherless and you're not taught by a good man, how to live in your pain, own your pain and be transformed by it. Mm. But all you've seen is men who abuse women and abuse people because they're so angry that, and no one's ever shown them. Right. And so then it becomes a, a, when we open ourselves up like that, it, with that fatherless hole inside mm. of us, a demon will come and attach itself to that. And it looks like rape and it yeah. looks like violence and it looks like all the things we see. And, and most men try to drink it away or anesthetize it and they never actually own it and feel it and walk through it. And because again, it's not, it's not our fault. I mean, I, I I'm not going to take away, I'm not going to excuse people who beat women or who rape women. Of course not. Uh, you know, I'm seeing a lot of hatred towards, uh, you know, men that are have, in the child ring. And I, and I agree with all of that. Um, except that Jesus died for all of us, every one of us, even those people. And, and we need to have some grace there to, to try to lead them into that space. But that's the point. Mm -hmm. That's the whole point of what we're talking about is when young boys are left alone, uh, all they, all they learn is anger. And then it can turn into much more violence and a lot, lot harder. Well, and there's no question that we were created to protect the vulnerable. And so we do that at any, if someone needs to be removed physically from society because they can't control themselves, those things need to happen. Yes. However, what you're saying is there's a reason they're that way. And if we saw their story, probably from right. the way before they were born, right. you could see how they, they probably don't know anything different. No, there's no excuse for it. Cause we all have free will and we have a choice, We do. but if you, you know, we all say, I would never do that. I would never do what the disciples did to Jesus. I would never reject right. him. I would never deny him. Well, when people are coming after you with spears and they're ready to torture you, you might be surprised what you would do. Oh, if, if I would have been given tens of millions of dollars in a pro contract at 20 years old, you I would have been a bad boy. I guess I already was a bad boy. I know. And I had a pretty good dad. I mean, he was, he, he had to learn how to be a father with us. Um, and, and so it wasn't this huge fatherless hole. Uh, and I had an amazing mother, but I had it. So I, you I, had to figure it out on your own though. I did. I didn't have a good example of what to watch. You, you know? had, you had to decide. Yeah. Okay. Um, fathers teach other men how to provide for their families and how to protect their families and how, so I hear you, you know, when you're counseling a young man or what you, you're not real soft with them. Usually you're like, listen, you were created for this. I even said it to Noah yesterday just to frustrate him because he's like, I don't want to do that. That's too much responsibility. I said, your shoulders were created for this son. Yes. He's like, well, and actually, if you'll study this, and which I do and have, young men really do want responsibility put on their shoulders. Right. They just don't know it. Right. So we really do want responsibility as men. We want to be that man. We just, it's nobody's ever told us and it's never been drawn out of us or activated in us. And so when it is, everything changes. I mean, look at that little Andrew, who was our, who was our intern last year or last semester and how he transformed into the second half. He became a man. He began, he made sure that. Are you talking about Drew? Yeah. Hi, Drew. All your stuff was, you had your chair pulled out. I mean, he never let anybody, any girl no. get in any kind and of danger. He just kept getting better right? and better. It's and because better. that's what we we're created to be as men. Yeah. That's who we are. Yeah. But we have to have guys, some big bowls around us say, no, let's not run down. Let's walk down. You know what? It cost him something though. It did. And he really led his house well. Um, and he really took care of everybody else. I think he was pretty tired by the time he graduated because so much of his energy went into serving other people and he did a, he did an awesome job at right. it, but it is going to cost you something it, it will, every single time. And it is the point. It will cost you your life. Yes. 
This whole thing will cost. If you're willing to help others become great and you're willing to learn how to become a great father, it will cost you your whole life. We're just done right there. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah. But what else is there? I don't know what, I don't know why you would want to just do not, not do this. Like, why would you just want to go through life numb waiting to die or the stupid dispensational teach waiting to get out of here, but ticket yeah. into heaven uh, and get to heaven one day just because life is so miserable and the earth is so miserable. Why would you want to live that way? I don't know, <laughs> but obviously you and I, <laughs> well, we, we don't fit into a lot of the very well. clubs around here. Okay. Um, fathers teach men to fight for their promises mm. and to fight for their dreams. Okay. One of those things could be the woman of your dreams. Yep. Fathers teach men to fight for their promises and fight for their dreams. Absolutely. Or even create their dream. You don't give up. Right. A father will teach you that you don't, you don't do it out of ego. You don't do it out of proving your to yourself or to somebody else. We're driven that way in that first half of life. And that's okay. We need, we need that container as well, that ego container, but we do it because we want to see other people become great. Okay. Okay. That's what you do, baby. You're a good father. Fathers help others find their true identity. Mm-hmm. So that's a word that gets thrown around a lot. And someone asked me to teach about on it. And I was like, identity, identity. And, um, this is what I, this is what I hear you saying all the time. And this is, this is what I, the stuff that I say to people, I'm like, that's not who you are. Let me tell you who you are. Right. You, you're claiming these things over your life. This, these things have been spoken to you. These things have happened to you. All of that's true, but that's not who you are. Right. You're a good man. Right. You know, and I think there's a lot, there's a lot of people that come through our life and I I can look at them and say, I know you're a good man. And I know if I knew how they spent like their last weekend, I'd be like, is he a good man? But I mean, the core of who he is, who he was created to be is a good man. Absolutely. And I notice whenever you say that men's postures change, like whenever we're, we're teaching and I always speak to the 50 some year old men and I'm like, Hey, you're a good man. Thank you. Let's be honest. Most men didn't have very good fathers. If the father stayed in the home, he was probably silent. Yeah. That's just, that's just, just the facts. We, we, a lot of us had good fathers. So it's fatherlessness go, if your father was in your house, but he never looked at you or talked to you, you could be struggling. Or all he did was discipline you. Yeah. If he didn't encourage you and strengthen you and comfort you, first Corinthians 14, that's Mm -hmm. true prophecy. If he didn't prophesy into your life, strength, encouragement, and empowerment Mm -hmm. and courage and life, and discipline mm-hmm. and then be an example. No one knows every single morning I'm out here. That's first true. thing on a call with my boys to pray. Second thing is I'm in my quiet time and I'm in my Bible reading and I'm making him breakfast because he's working landscaping right now. And and I don't miss that. Mm-hmm. Right. It, discipline really matters. And and your kids one day or your kids now are watching. Your grandkids are yeah. watching. Right. And so and then you have to say this truth in love. You've got to be able to speak the truth, but don't do it out of anger. And this one, all I ever got from my dad was how I, I was never good enough. I, he would ask me to come and help change the oil and I couldn't do it. So he'd grab it in disgust and do it himself. And I, I'd go out to shovel horse poop and somehow I was going to do it wrong. Now, now he sees that and he's a lot different, but, and I did that to my own kids. So this, this is me. This is, I did this, right? You just, we were angry as young men. But what we have to learn to do is say, you know what? I know you're better than that. Mm-hmm. I know that's not what you want to do. And in fact, if you do it again, I'm probably going to come find you and kick your ass. Mm-hmm. And I said that 
a hundred times, maybe 10,000 times. Yeah. Right. I drove all the way across the country this summer just to sit with one young man in Indianapolis to, to actually kick his butt a little bit and to speak some really hard truth in love. And he sobbed Thank at the breakfast table and you. said, no one has ever done this. Yeah. And then he posted on Facebook that a man would drive across the country to tell me the truth of what I'm doing and how I'm missing God right now. And, and he was pointing the finger at everything else, right? And nothing was working. COVID hit and his ministry was gone. His girlfriend broke up with him. I get all these things. It's all happened to us men, right? It's real. And, and to all of us women. And But we've got to say it through. Guess what? It's supposed to happen. This is God giving you a voice. You're not going to be an echo if you'll choose this, choose into this and let it teach you what it's supposed to be right. here to teach you, right? right? What's the lesson? Right. And now let's step over that and become set back into manhood yeah. and go after it again. That's and, the point. And he has to make the choice and he has to step into it. Yep. But you were able to give him perspective. And that's the thing about when you're a little bit older, you can say, I know I've been there. It's yeah. very real what you're feeling right now. Right. But this isn't the end. Right. This is the beginning. Champ is joining us. Champ. Hi, buddy. All right. You're cute okay. Buddy. What do we got? We almost got these okay. done. Speak, okay. So you said. Um, Fathers help others find their true identity. Speaking truth in love and the occasional slap. <laughs> or a little. We, we do like to smack people a little bit out of love. It's not bad. We don't smack women. Children are all asking who, who I who and am all I? All children are always asking yes. who am I? And I think that we, I mean, this, this generation has a lot more freedom. Like if someone says now I want to be an artist, I want to be an actress. Everyone's like, Oh, go for it. You know, 50 years ago, that's stupid. Right. You need to go work in a factory. You need to do, and it's, it's actually watching your child and saying, these are conversations I'm having with Noah a lot right now because he's trying to figure out like, what do I want to do with my life? And what am I passionate about? And he does have too many choices. Right. Does it, that's surprising. He's not doing any of them because he's, he's overwhelmed with the choices. Yep. But I think about like your dad, my dad didn't have any choices. Nope. They had to do what they had like, to do. You got to do what you got to do. And that generation only thought of a paycheck to buy food and to, which was a, a noble thing to do. But many men I'm sure felt like this is it. Right. Like this is what I, this is what I'm going to do for the next 50 years. Well, you think about it. It's even off this documentary of the last dance. Uh, a news reporter brings out a really good point towards the end of the of the documentary. She said, you know, Michael hit these realms. I mean, he was the athlete of the world, the world, and he's the best ever. I mean, you watch this and you will never argue with that again. LeBron James, these boys have nothing on this guy. Like Magic Johnson and Larry Bird were the two of the best that ever played the game. And they said when Michael kicked in, he played at a whole other level than we ever played. Hmm. And they were saying that still playing basketball. Right. But he said, um, she said that he didn't have social media to make himself great. All these new young athletes yeah. are posting and videoing and doing all these things to try to make themselves. And this generation doesn't know another world without social media. So our son, um, Noah, is like, there's just there's just too many choices. He doesn't know what to do. Yeah. He doesn't even know what he's passionate about. Right. And we deal with this all the time with these kids. It's really true. So what do we do in that? We step in, we tell the truth and yeah. love, and we and we start activating them and who they are. We're watching who our kids are. What is their passions? What are they bent to go do? What's the gift inside of them? Mm -hmm. And then we're helping them find that. Right. But we don't want to steal the hunt. Again, I know I've said this, but don't go do it for them. Right. They want a motorcycle. They're 12 years old. They want a little go-kart. Awesome. Go work for it. I'll meet you halfway. Right. Get the 500 bucks. I'll do 500 bucks. We'll buy it for a thousand. You just I'll never want to steal that hunt, even when they're trying to find their passion. Like I'm doing with Noah right now is we're going through a... A Devo together 
uh, on a guy talking about finding your passion. Oh, good. And, and I'm just, I'm just letting him kind of come to me with, well, what do you think about this dad? Yeah. Cause he knows what's inside of him. And then I can help bring that out of him. And we had a miracle last night. We did. After raising six children oh. together, the first time ever you had ever. a 17 year old who you said, I don't think you're supposed to go out tonight. And he said, okay, dad, I trust you. Yeah. We've never heard those words before. Was literally, I came out of the room. It was 10 something at night and Noah was getting ready to leave to go be and with his friends. And his social friends. life has been shut down because of COVID. Yeah. So he's, and, and, I, and I have, I don't think I've ever said this to Noah, but I, Holy Spirit immediately checked me and I said, son, you don't have to do this. I'm just going to tell you what I feel like Holy Spirit just told me is that you're not supposed to go out tonight. You're supposed to stay in. Hmm. And I said, you can do what you want. It's your choice. I just felt like I heard that. And he immediately said, you know what, dad, I was, I was 50, 50 anyway. And now I'm not even going to think about it. And he texted his friends and he was done. This is unprecedented. <laughs> it never happened with my other kids, but I mean, I built a lot more trust with Noah as well. Okay. Noah has a softer father than our other kids have. But then he had his mother in the background go, go be with your friend. <laughs> yeah, of yeah, course. I know. That's how I am. <laughs> okay. And so I, I just do want to touch on that for a second is that mother's nurture. Yeah. And so you get frustrated with me sometimes with the interns with our kids and everything oh you're gonna just mother them i'm like yes i'm going to mother them because i'm a woman that's what you do i have breasts yes yes you do and i have hips and these are indicators of the soft roundness that nurtures yes it's just part it's who i am i can't help it absolutely now if i was the only voice right it would be out of balance that's right there's nothing wrong with my mothering except for it could be out of balance without so we have conversations all the time. If, if I think Alexis needs a father. Yeah. Will you call her? Yep. And sometimes I'm like, you say to me, I, I think he just needs his mommy. And we have, we've figured that out in, in our family. Right. So we've had to have a million conversations about how to raise our family and get through the stuff that we've had to face. But fathering is incredibly important, but it is only one part of it. It's only one part. That's right. And, and if you, and, and as women, when your husband goes silent and you have to do both parts, you get you can easily get into manipulation and control because you're trying to do everything. And that's that's not a criticism. Right. That's just a fact of life. Mm-hmm. And so men do not be silent. It's called adamic silence. Adam went silent and didn't protect Eve and men have been doing it ever since. And we cannot go silent, even though our kids hate us, even though our wife might bitch at us and yell at us for raising our voice a little bit. You, you, what, what happens is we get so beat down that we just stop saying anything. And, and guys, you gotta, you gotta overcome that. And you've got to serve your wife and serve your children, even if they're going to treat you like dirt because they need your voice in their lives. I promise. Yes. And I do want to say on that point is that we had a lot of disagreements because we, when we got together, we had, I had two girls, you had three boys. They were all very small. We parented very differently. My yes. girls had very different personalities than your boys. We were trying to figure that all out. And there were times where I felt like you were way too harsh or way too angry or whatever. I did, however, really try to not say anything in front of the kids. But when we were alone in our bedroom, I was like, dude, no question. They're small. Yeah. And that was like, too much. You poured bleach on, you know, what you basically just needed a yeah. little bit. You've of got to be able to antiseptic. hear from each other. Yeah. Right. Because well, I was trying to learn how to be a dad too. Cause all I but saw I was anger I tried not to house. disrespect you in front of the children. No, you didn't. You did. and, and I tried not to disrespect you in front of the children. <laughs> I wasn't the greatest at it. <laughs> you just say things like, yeah. Oh my God, you got a baby over there? What, what's <laughs> really good about the Black Chai podcast <laughs> is that we're talking all from experience. This <laughs> is like, we were these things and we want to help you not be these things. Yeah. 
I mean, you have to, you're going to have to figure this out on your own, but you can skip some pain. That's okay. Right. All right, so what thing. is the answer? The answer, God to, makes if, up the difference. He does. How? He really does. Well, I mean, I lived it. I, I suddenly had a two-year-old and a four-year-old and their dad was gone in an instant. And I thought, well, what am I going to do? Because I studied all the time the effects of fatherness, uh, this especially on little girls, because that was my job. And it, it was very concerning for me. And one of the things I did was I literally moved closer to my parents because my dad is a really good man. And I knew they needed some male influence in their life. I wasn't going to drop them off at some you know, program or something, but they had access to him all the time. And they started doing all the things I did when I was a little girl, just mm. sitting in the garage, playing with the you know, sawdust while he was working. And it wasn't that he sat him down, had these conversations and everything. It was his presence. Yeah, The presence of a good man, I think, brought security into their life. No question. So we have to step in these places where there are fatherless children. I mean, foster care, I just heard an amazing story about one of our interns up in Denver and she's working at a camp and she's like, there's this 35 year old dad, single guy who adopted a little girl and a little boy. They, he was their foster parent and now he's just adopted them and he doesn't know if he's going to get married or what's going to happen. She said, he is the most amazing father. Hmm. And I think if we could really encourage our men, this is my, this is my last thing is I have a responsibility as a woman to encourage the men around me in their fathering. Our son is a father. I don't criticize his fathering. I encourage his fathering. And when our granddaughter comes to me and says, well, grandma, my dad doesn't want me to have this, but can I have this cookie? I back up my son. Right. Because that's going to hurt my granddaughter. And so I, I try to, and I try to back your fathering up as much as I can. And I try to encourage the men around me. Like, this is really important. You're doing a great job. And I do see this, this new generation of fathers, much softer, younger with yes. their children. Yes. They are much more um, a, a connected to their little boys. Yes. When their little boys cry, they don't say the things that older generation said, like boys don't cry and stop feeling, having your feelings and stuff. They're like, Hey buddy, are you upset about something? I'm like, I do. I see a shift that the men that are staying and the men that are doing the work are doing a phenomenal job. No question. Way, way in front of what we were. Yeah. Uh, And it's awesome to watch. Yes, it is really fun to watch. Yep. And, and I'm encouraged by the whole generation guys. Listen there. Me too. The young mothers are tough. I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're there and they're sticking in there and they're having babies. And guys, we want to have babies, <laughs> right? We've, we're taking the earth back. We're making the earth look like the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. We need more kingdom people on the planet. Don't worry about overpopulation and all this hype about global, all this stuff. Yes, it's happening. And it's incredible because God is still going to make this earth look like heaven. And that's our responsibility. And so don't stop having babies. Yeah. Don't stop getting married. Do these things. Be a kingdom person. This isn't the end. This is the beginning. Because we need you to become fathers and mothers and then teach the next generation how to do the same thing. And we can break this curse of fatherlessness that goes down to the 22nd generation illegitimacy. Yes. If we will just stick in there and learn from one another and actually honor one another. Children's hearts to fathers, fathers and mothers hearts back to children. We love each other. We learn from each other and we, we break this thing and we're done. Yeah, we're doing it. All right. It's happening. All right. All right. God bless you guys. Fathers, thanks for being a good daddy to my babies. Thank you for being an amazing mother and an incredible wife. Wow. It's true. Awesome. God bless you guys. Uh, Gary and Lisa black.com. You can message us on our Facebook, Gary and Lisa black. 
Um, you can, uh, this video is on Patreon for our Patreon people. Every Wednesday, I'll, I'll post it right now. It is actually Wednesday. And then Friday, it comes out on iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, again, any questions, any feedback, anything you want to have us hit as a subject, we invite you to please let us know and ask us anything you want. Okay. All right. God bless you guys. We will see you soon.